<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I want to start with my op-ed today that I published over at HartmanReport.com. It's titled, Democrats Must Reclaim Their Brand as the Freedom Party. There was a time in this country when the Democratic Party was branded as the Freedom Party. They called themselves that, the Party of Freedom. Franklin Roosevelt said in his 1944 State of the Union address, necessitous men are not free men. And what did he mean by that? Well, it's pretty straightforward. If you're hungry and you don't have access to food, you're not free. If you can't afford decent housing and therefore don't have a safe place to live, you're not free. If you're out of work and can't support yourself or your family, you're not free. If you're sick and you can't afford medical treatment, you're not free. If you live in fear of right-wing violence or terrorism because of your religion or the color of your skin, you're not free. And if you have the inherent capability to become a scientist or a union electrician, but you can't afford college or trade school to reach your potential, you are not free. As FDR said in the next sentence of that speech, he said, people who are hungry, people who are out of a job, are the stuff of which dictatorships are made. It's time for the Democratic Party to start messaging like Franklin Roosevelt did. For two generations now, Republicans have been telling us, since Reagan basically, since 1980, they have been telling us that uh, things aren't getting bad because of Reagan cutting taxes on rich people, so all the money's going to the top. No, that's not why things are getting bad for the American middle class. In fact, the Republicans are messaging specifically to white middle class Americans. And so they're saying, well, things aren't getting bad for the white middle class because Reagan cut taxes at the top. Things aren't getting bad for the white middle class because Reagan started the whole free trade thing, sending our jobs overseas. No, no, no. It's because of the great replacement theory that Tucker Carlson will tell you all about on Fox so-called news, that the Democrats are trying to replace white people with brown people and black people who are going to take those good jobs. Right. When FDR came into the White House in 1933, there was the wreckage of the Republican Great Depression. And yes, that's what they called it up until 1952 when Dwight Eisenhower got elected president. They called it the Republican Great Depression. And so FDR began rebranding the Democratic Party as the Party of Freedom. 
when he accepted his, uh, his party's nomination in Philadelphia in 1936 for his second term, he said that very word freedom in itself and of necessity suggests freedom from some restraining power. It was to win freedom from the tyranny of political autocracy that the American Revolution was fought. But, he says, since that struggle, however, man's inventive genius released new forces in our land which reordered the lives of our people. And he talks about how this all created a new problem for those who sought to remain free. What was that? Big business. For out of this modern civilization, Franklin Roosevelt said, economic royalists carved new dynasties. New kingdoms were built upon concentration of control over material things. Through new uses of corporations, banks, and securities, new machinery of industry and agriculture, of labor and capital, the whole structure of modern life was impressed into this royal service. And then he takes it back to freedom. He says, throughout the nation, opportunity was limited by monopoly. Individual initiative was crushed in the cogs of a great machine. The field for open for free business was more and more restricted. Private enterprise indeed became too private. It became privileged enterprise, not free enterprise. Are you noticing a theme here? Freedom? This is what the Democratic Party was all about in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s. LBJ, we're going to give people the freedom to vote, the freedom to live free of, of discrimination. Franklin Roosevelt went on to say liberty requires opportunity to make a living, a living decent according to the standard of time, a living which gives a person not only enough to live by, but something to live for. And then he talks about, you know, well, he continues in the next sentence, for too many of us, the political equality we had once won was meaningless in the face of economic inequality. A small group had concentrated into their own hands and almost complete control over other people's property, other people's money, other people's labor, other people's lives. For too many of us, life was no longer free. There's that word again. Liberty, no longer real. Men could no longer follow the pursuit of happiness. Thus, he said, today, we stand committed to the proposition that freedom is no half and half affair. I don't know if you caught it yesterday, Nikki Haley was tweeting about how Democrats are now the Socialist Party. Right. Well, they said the same thing about FDR. They called him a communist. They called him a socialist. They called him a tyrant. And what did he say? He threw it right back in their face. He said, these economic royalists complain that we seek to overthrow the institutions of America. What they really complain about is that we seek to take away their power. And our allegiance to American institutions requires the overthrow of this kind of power. In vain, Franklin Roosevelt said, they seek to hide behind the flag and the Constitution. In their blindness, they forget what the flag and the Constitution stand for. Now, as always, they stand for democracy, not tyranny, for freedom. There's that word again, not subjection, and against a dictatorship by mob rule and the overprivileged alike. So then they started calling him a bleeding heart liberal. Oh, you just want to help the poor little people. And, he's, and he replied, he said, we do not see faith, hope, and charity as unattainable ideals, but we use them as stout supports of a nation fighting the fight for freedom in a modern civilization. 
So what do we have now? Build back better. This is how the Democratic Party needs to brand itself as the party of freedom. Build back better enhances the freedom of working class Americans by providing a floor through which they won't fall as they strive for economic success. Ending or changing the filibuster to put voting rights into place ensures democracy, the essential bulwark of freedom to citizens of every state, even those that Republicans are trying to turn into right-wing oligarchies. Canceling student debt and providing low-cost health care to all Americans frees young people from crushing financial burdens that are not experienced by the citizens of any other developed country in the world. And vaccine and mask mandates slow or even when they're fully implemented, stop the spread of the COVID pandemic. By the way, they're seeing this in China right now where they've actually stopped it through most of the country. And thus are an explicit part of a freedom agenda. I get it. China's not free, but hey, the freedom to take your kid to school, the freedom to go to a restaurant or theater, the freedom to shop for groceries without fear of death and disease. Now, there are, of course, some corporate Democrats out there who are saying, oh, no, we don't, we don't want to do these things. We don't want to build back better. Uh, no, we don't want to end the filibuster. We don't want to cancel student debt. We don't want to provide health care to all. Oh, no, we can't do that. You know, that would uh, blow up the budget deficit or some other nonsense. We call them today the corporate problem solver Democrats. FDR, in 1940, there was a faction of Democrats who wanted him to, to, to dump uh, Henry Wallace as his VP. And he wrote a letter to them. He said, in the century in which we live, the Democratic Party has received the support of the electorate only when the party, with absolute clarity, has been the champion of progressive and liberal policies and principles of government. This party has, con has failed consistently when through political trading and chicanery it has fallen into the control of those interests, personal and financial, which think in terms of dollars instead of in terms of human values. And then he just laid it out for his party. He said, basically, you get rid of Henry Wallace, you're getting rid of me. He said, until the Democratic Party, through this convention, makes overwhelmingly clear its stand in favor of social progress and liberalism, and shakes off all the shackles of control fastened upon it by the forces of conservatism, reaction, and appeasement. It will not continue its march to victory. It is best not to straddle ideals, Franklin Roosevelt wrote to his party leaders. It is best for America to have the fight out here and now. The party must go wholly one way or the other. It cannot face in both directions at the same time. And this is what the Democratic Party needs to do right now. Everything the Democratic Party is promoting, I, I defy you to identify one thing that couldn't be rebranded as freedom. People say, you need to get it on a bumper sticker. Here you are. Democrats, the Freedom Party. Build Back Better gives you freedom. Infrastructure gives you freedom. Ending student loans gives you freedom. Ending medical debt gives you freedom. A good minimum wage gives you freedom. The Democratic Party needs to reclaim that word. It's the most powerful branding device in America. Take it, Democrats, please. And let's all start talking about freedom and how the Biden agenda, the progressive agenda, the Democratic agenda, outside of a few outliers within the party, I know about Manchin and Cinema, outside of them, our party is about freedom. This is the Tom Hartman Program.
Sean in Albion, Washington. Hey, Sean, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I really enjoyed hearing your encapsulating of your uh, opening rant this morning because I've been saying this for ages. Uh, Republicans have taken on all this association with America and, and claimed it to the point that Democrats and progressives stand aside and allow them to say these things that claim that they love America, they love family, they're the party of faith. And everything they say is rubbish. It's all just lip service. All you have to do is say it. In fact, your listeners can just start it this very day, anytime they talk, I'm a Democrat because I believe in freedom. I'm a liberal because I believe in freedom. I'm a progressive because that's the American way. One of the things the Republicans, all they really offer anytime to counter Democrats is we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. And I've just started saying that you say we can't because you don't have faith in America. You don't think America can. I love it, And Sean. this is what they have done this for ages. They have turned it around. They have oh, made yeah. a weapon out of it to the point that, I mean, this drives me crazy that, that Americans are afraid of putting up the flag because they think that's going to send the wrong message. And it's like, no, that is not their flag. It is the flag of our country. And it's like, we need to just grab these things and also make all these claims because their claims for it are just shallow. There's just a thin veneer of your nonsense. And you don't even have to make talking points with people. Like I said, just slogans, just say it. And the Democratic Party definitely should be doing this. Yeah. But I don't know what's going on up there. Maybe hopefully it's there. But like I said, just now, your listeners can be doing this now. Yeah. Just started this very I, day. I agree, Sean. I absolutely agree, and, and, and brilliantly said. Thank you very much. Mario in Berwyn, Illinois. Hey, Mario, got a quick one? I just want to tell everybody that listen to get involved because I was in a household that speaks Spanish the other day, and they were so bad informed with such a bad information receiving from these bigots, from these Republicans. They have to get involved and talk to people that speak Spanish because it's getting bad. Is this because of uh, right-wingers on Spanish-language radio? Yes, sir. I start to talk to them, and it's hard when they're receiving that information. They have to put attention. They have to do something about it. Yeah. Get in program. I agree. You've got several hundred Spanish-language right-wing radio stations in America right now, and Democrats are sitting around, you know, there's a piece in Politico a couple months ago. Uh, Democrats are trying to figure out why 7% more Latinos voted for Trump 2020 than in 2016. That's because of the damn radio. Mario, thank you. Gary in Alpharetta, Georgia. Hey, Gary, what's up? I think they have soured the culture so much with greed and being just plain mean-spirited. Just being plain mean-spirited with their thinking. The bad apples of the barrel theory, if you will. We've always had some bad apples in the barrel, but I say proportionally in the barrel now, it's proportionally negative to moving forward. And until that, until we can clear that out, until we can clean that out, we're in big trouble in America. This is a mean spirit as I have never witnessed in my history in my life, ever. Yeah, yeah. And I thought things were pretty bad in the 60s when, when, or the early 70s when Nixon was coming after protesters and stuff. But, uh, but we had Kent a different State. culture. We had more fundamental men and women back then. I mean, we had more of a gentleman, ladylike culture back then. You mean people we were more out. polite towards each other? Yes. Yeah. Less mean spiritedness. And we... And today we have more greed and money proportionate to the population. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I totally get that. And, and what, it, what it looks to me like is happening, Gary, is that bullying is infectious. You know, I remember from school when I was the subject yeah. of Dennis's bullying, 
that there were a couple of kids who would like hang out with him just to be cool. Right. You know, hey, you know, it's never like this. Well, this is what Trump has done. And, and so, you know, well, the, the kids who want to, well, you know, follow in the wake of the bully and, are, are following along with Trump. And listen, what about that? And you got to go. What about that Kentucky congressman? That's the perfect example. Oh, yeah. And he's sitting there with a machine gun in his lap. I mean, what you know, the rest that? of his family's what got assault that? weapons. He's got a damn machine gun. It was nuts. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You're not free if you're sick and you can't get health care. Part of the Democratic Party's freedom agenda should be health care for all. And as I pointed out in uh, on this program many times, Canada got Medicare for all as a result of one province, Saskatchewan. Tommy Douglas, uh, the, the premier of that province, saying, we're going to do it. And they did it. And then everybody else in Canada said, whoa, that's cool. You save money. Everybody gets covered. That's great. Let's do that. And it's spread across Canada. Well, if we could do that in a big state in the United States, like, say, California, can you imagine? Well, they're working on it. Erica Ferriston is with us. She is the director of Healthcare for All, the Los Angeles chapter, HCA, let's say, as in Healthcare for All, HCALA.org. The statewide organization is healthcareforall.org. Erica, welcome to the program. Uh, I understand that back in 2017, I remember when California was like on the verge of passing uh, single payer healthcare, and one person, your Speaker of the Assembly, uh, your equivalent of the Speaker of the House, blew it up after taking some major contributions from big insurance companies. Correct me if I'm wrong in that memory, and where are you at right now with this? And do you think you'll be able to overcome that same kind of, you know, so-called corporate Democrat objection? Seventh attempt to get single-payer passed in California with AB 1400. You are absolutely correct. That bill was Senate Bill 562. It had passed the state Senate 
And then Anthony Rendon, who was the Speaker of the Assembly, who's still the Speaker of the Assembly, he had taken a bunch of money from the medical industrial complex and killed the bill. So you are correct in that. But we got right back up. And by we, I mean the California Nurses Association is leading the charge again with this bill, the Guaranteed Health Care for All Act, affectionately known as CalCare. Super excited about this bill. This is the state-level version of Medicare for All. It would guarantee comprehensive, high-quality health care to every California resident, regardless of age, race, sex, gender ID, immigration status, employment status, uh, marital status, um, you name it, income level, doesn't matter. Every California would receive health care as a human right, and it would lead the nation in the greater fight for health care justice. I'm assuming this is uh, not socialized medicine like they have in the United Kingdom where the government owns the hospitals and employs the doctors, but rather is single-payer health care like pretty much every other developed country in the world has, like Canada has, uh, among others. Uh, and, and that's, you know, basically the state of California becomes the, the single-payer. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, care would continue to be privately delivered as it is now, but it would be paid for through a single public program rather than the fragmented patchwork system we have now. Um, private insurance companies in California would no longer exist, and um, this would result in huge cost savings for individuals, businesses, local government, the state government, and guarantee high-quality health care for every California resident. So that's right. You got so, it exactly right. So for people uh, who live in California or people who are anywhere in the country and are going to become activists and try to make their state you know, follow your lead, um, with regard to CalCare, this, this program that you're promoting, what would be the deductibles? What would it cost people every month? What does it look like? How does it work? Does the state determine what doctor you can go to? I, play it out for me as, a, as the example of, you know, if you needed health care, what do you do? What does it cost? Where do you go? How do you handle it? Everybody is covered. There would be no upfront fees. So no deductibles, no co-pays, no out-of-network costs, no cost. You would get a card, probably, like they have in France or similar to your insurance card, and you would go to any doctor in any area that you need. So um, it's free at the point of service, and you're free to choose your provider. You don't like your provider? Go to another one. Um, no more insurance companies delaying and denying um, our health care and interfering between us as the patients and our doctors. Yeah, I'm already seeing, I mean, you know, somebody posted on my Twitter feed this morning some new study from some right-wing think tank about how in Canada it takes seven weeks to see a specialist. 
By the way, I just tried to make an appointment with a specialist. It took two and a half months. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, the war is beginning. What what are the contours of the war in California? How how has the health insurance? I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar industry you're challenging, and you're the sixth largest economy in the world. How are they trying to take you on? And do you think that they'll be successful in, again, bribing Anthony Rendon, your, your Speaker of the Assembly? Right. The war has begun before we had the bill. The war is always on. It's not just Anthony Rendon that's taking money. It's, you know, you can look at our governor's taking money. Pretty much every member of our California legislature has taken money. Um, the author of the bill, Ashkara and Alex Lee, they're the only two members of the California legislature I know of who haven't taken any corporate money. So if you want to look at it that way, yes, um, we're, we're outspent. Um, and this is why it's going to take people power. And Tom, we've seen this. We've seen this in Barbados. We've seen this in Honduras. We've seen it in our own country. When we fight, we win. Um, and people power can win this. But we need millions of Californians to stand up and to demand that the legislature pass this bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. And so for people who want to uh, either A, learn more about this so they can try it in their own state, or B, support your efforts in California, what, what should they do? So um, we have several efforts. Um, if you live in California, we have a pre-written letter that we would like you to send your assembly member. Um, and we have on uh, January 8th, the California Nurses Association is holding a CalCare Day of Action. It's statewide. And if you're in California or outside of California, you can join CNA, the California Nurses Association sponsored phone banks, postcard writing, and to find all this information, go to our toolkit, which is a bit.ly address, all lowercase, bit.ly slash H-C-A-L-A toolkit. Again, that's bit.ly H-C-A-L-A toolkit. Okay, or hcla.org, right? We'll get you to the, yep. the starting point where you can go from there. Yeah. Erica Ferriston, good luck. I wish you the very best on this. This could be a turning point for the whole country if you guys are successful. Friday, the Labor Department, last Friday, the Labor Department announced 210,000 new jobs. Here's what's really interesting. Eric Bullard is calling this out. He's got a, a newsletter over at pressrun.media that is really worth subscribing to. It's free and you know it's one of these Substack newsletters, which dropped the unemployment rate from 4.6% to 4.2%. Back at the beginning of the year, the Congressional Budget Office predicted it was gonna take four years. It would take until 2025 before unemployment got back down to 4.2%. We're there three years early. How is that not good news? Well, the headline on NPR was, quote, November hiring was a bust with only 210,000 jobs created. Honest to God. Whereas four years ago in January, or a little more than four years ago, in January of 2020, NPR, this is Donald Trump is president now after he was sworn in, the headline, and they had 225,000 jobs. Keep in mind, we just had 210,000. 
225,000 new jobs, and the headline was, Job Market Surges as Employers Add 266,000 Jobs in November. It was actually, when it was adjusted, it turned out to be 225,000, but still 260. So when Trump gets 200,000 new jobs, it's called a surge in the job market. When Biden gets 200,000 new jobs, it is, quote, November hiring was a bust. Right. Michael Moore also has one of these uh, Substack newsletters you can find uh, at uh, michaelmoore.com. And he's, uh, stop watching and reading the pundit boobery is his current op-ed. And it's brilliant. I mean, you know, he's basically pointing out uh, you know, Biden's approval ratings are at a historic low. No, 52, it says 52% of the people disapprove. Well, I'm telling you, if somebody, if a pollster called me up and said, do you approve or disapprove of the job that the Biden administration is doing right now? I'd say, well, I approve with caveats. You know, I, I, I and, and, uh, and Michael Moore points this out. We still don't have voting rights. Joe Biden has not gotten, you know, voting rights through the Senate. And he has the power to lean on his people. We still haven't approved this human infrastructure bill, and to the extent that we might, it's been chopped down radically. We don't like the fact that, you know, he hasn't succeeded in getting a vaccine mandate all across the country. So I don't think this disapproval for for Joe Biden has anything to do with right-wingers hating him. I I think it's, you know, people want more. He promised more. People want more. Here's another one that, that Michael Moore points out. He says, the country rejects Bernie, the squad, democratic socialism, Black Lives Matter, and critical race theory. And then he says, no. He says, the vast majority of this country agrees with everything that they are trying to get passed in Congress. And then goes through the polling. And this is where the polling is like, you know, I, 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 I do this, you know, for years now, I've been citing these polls. These are the most recent. 73% of Americans believe everyone should have paid family leave. 63% of Americans believe community college should be tuition-free. 64% of Americans want stronger gun control laws. 75% of Americans want climate change addressed now. 62% of Americans believe the minimum wage should at least be $15 an hour. 84% of Americans believe Medicare should cover hearing aids, glasses, and dental. 67% of Americans believe children should have access to free pre-K. 67% of voters say that federal voting rights legislation is absolutely necessary. And yet, these things are not getting passed. Why? Because the Supreme Court legalized the bribery of politicians. And the entire Republican Party has gone all in on this. Yes, we are here to take your bribes. Send us your money. And a few Democrats have. And you know who I'm talking about. I need not give them any more publicity, but... But this is just, you know, straightforward stuff. The, the American people are down with the freedom agenda. People love the Democratic Party's freedom agenda. And yet it is not getting passed. And because it's not getting passed, I think that's the thing that's hurting Biden's approval ratings. And the other, the third one that the Michael Moore points out is that inflation, inflation is at an all-time high. No, it's not. And by the way, inflation was three times as intense as this after the end of World War II, for the exact same reasons. Supply shortages and demand increase, pent-up demand. We were rationing food and stuff. I mean, you had to get coupons to get butter back during World War II, or to buy nylons, or buy gasoline. So, of course, there was an, an explosion of demand in 1946-47, and you had inflation pushing as high as 17%, if my recollection is correct. Now we've got maybe 5 or 6% inflation. It will go away. 
This is what happens when you have a supply shortage combined with a demand increase. It's very straightforward. And on top of that, of course, you got this Wall Street Journal headline. What does inflation mean for American business? For some, bigger profits. And this is the thing that, that has been pointed out by numerous progressives, particularly Elizabeth Warren and Robert Reich. Robert Reich, one of the real you know, heroes of the movement, um, who also publishes a regular newsletter. I think more and more people are starting to get their opinions and news this way. But you know, Robert Reich was, was you know, pointing out as well that the problem with inflation is monopoly. I wrote a damn book about this, The Hidden History of American Monopoly. When you have every single major industry in America dominated by three or four companies, at the most five, you no longer have competition, you no longer have that flywheel for prices, you no longer have a regu an internal regulatory mechanism called competition. And when you don't have competition, you see corporate profits exploding. And that's what's happening right now. The Wall Street Journal has had nearly two out of three of the U.S. biggest publicly traded companies reported fatter profit margins than they did before the pandemic. You know, they're charging more because they can get away with it. Anyhow, I, I, I just I'm so disgusted by this double standard of reporting on Joe Biden and the Democrats that we see across the corporate owned media. It's awful. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. And when you hear these kinds of things on the media, I hope you're doing what I'm doing, which is going to their contact me pages and sending them nasty grams. Hey, wake up, guys. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? Tom, we can't say we approve of Joe Biden, but with caveats, Tom, humility goes along with nice guys finish last. That's just not the era we're in. Joe Biden is the greatest leader in the history of the world. In fact, the sun has come up more times over America and indeed the world than ever before. And every new day is a record. I mean, that's that's what Trump has left us with. And I'm sorry, it, it offends my sensibilities that humility is no longer a virtue. But that's what it is. It's kind of like we've had to change my mind in a lot of ways about society in the last 40 years. Yeah. But, you know, no, I get what you're saying, you Paul. And if somebody called me up and said, hi, we're with Gallup. Uh, what do you think of Joe Biden's performance? I'd say 100 percent. I think he's wonderful because I want that in the statistics. But the fact, as Michael Moore was pointing out, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, I've, there's a bunch of stuff I want and I haven't gotten yet. So I'm still in the middle. I mean, uh, how would you respond? Well, that's true. But, you know, I, I, I remember when I was a young teacher and teaching uh, writing, and I had a kid who, when he wanted to write an essay, I was teaching the three-point essay. He, he, he didn't like NAFTA. Okay, so, okay, I said, so here's your thesis, then your three points, one, two, three. And we get down now, your uh, summary paragraph, he starts out with, people who support NAFTA have a lot of good points. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what you're arguing, son, right? You don't start, you're not, what are you trying to be, magnanimous here? You haven't talked about the good points of other people. And by, by the way, why, are you, why do you want to argue for them? Right. Let them make their own arguments about NAFTA. Yep. And you know, there's, no, there's no reason that you get no points for being a nice guy for observing somebody else's good points. You just don't. Yeah. And by the way, it's, in terms of NPR, you know, when Susan Stanberg was the CEO of NPR, she kind of sold out public broadcasting to the Cokes and all of the big donors uh, because the Bush administration wanted to cut funding to, to public broadcasting. And besides, 
you know, I worked for WKR in East Lansing, uh, NPR station. These, these semi-annual fund drives drive the station managers crazy, and it actually helps to take money from the big corporations. And you can see what's happened to NPR over the last 15 years, right? You, yeah. you've, you've talked about that before. Yeah. And the reason they say that, uh, you know, it was a surge when Trump had added 225,000 jobs in January 2020 is because the fourth, third and fourth quarter of 2019, he was teetering on recession. Yeah. At 1.9% growth and then 2.1% in the fourth quarter. He, if he wouldn't have made that 0.2, it would have been a recession. All right. Yeah. No, I get that. And I think that, uh, frankly, I'm not convinced that the shift to the right on the part of NPR and PBS, uh, to the extent that it's there, are the result of advertiser influence. I think they're more the result of the Brent Bozells of the world, the people, you know, the, 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 these, I mean, the, the right wing, the, the right wing billionaires have funded multiple organizations that do nothing but harass media. And this goes back yeah. to the 80s with the whole work the refs thing, you know, that, that, that came out of uh, what, you know, what's his name's uh, uh, whole, whole shtick. And there is no equivalent of that on the left, or at least there hasn't been until fairly recently. Jeff Cohen had fair for a while, but it kind of faded away. But now you've got uh, Eric Bollard out there really pushing hard, and, and he's starting to get some traction. And uh, so, you know, I think that, that things are changing. But anyhow, Paul, thank you. Uh, very, very well said. Uh, I was asking earlier, why, uh, why are the Republicans killing their own people? Brad in uh, Elk Grove Village here, it says, you, you know why Tucker Carlson opposed Vax mandate? What's that? I, well, my, my thought on this is that they have no moral compass. They have no conscience. But they have a self-interest. Why kill your own viewers? Right. Well, my, my own point is what, what I think part of what the left needs to do is to really attack these people on their religious hypocrisy. And I think there may be a lot of a number of people. You're not going to peel off a great deal, but you'll peel off some of these religious zealots. And who, if you show them, hey, would Jesus Christ act in any way like you do? I think you'd get some traction there. Am, am I just too idealistic? I think to you think are. That, that would work. <laughs> I think you are. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what it, I get it that the Republican, you know, that there's there's two steps here that everybody seems to be missing. Number one was Donald Trump back in April of 2020 when he was president decided that he, you know, he was heading into an election in seven, eight months, and he knew that whichever party, you know, that when the economy goes soft, whichever party is in power loses the election. And he did not want to lose that election. So he was pushing people to go back to work and go back into the stores and, and go shopping. And so he was trying to minimize the, the virus. I mean, he told Bob Woodward that in February, that, you know, he was going to downplay it. So I get that. And I also get that after Joe Biden became president, the, the same Republicans wanted to screw with the economy and make it bad for Biden. And so they started, again, pushing people back out to get, you know, go out and get sick, please. But now it's reached the point where the only people getting sick and dying are six to one or 600 percent higher rates are in the red counties that vote for Trump versus the blue counties that, that voted for Biden. Blue counties that voted for Biden have one sixth the death rate of covid. At this point, it seems like that political strategy should be out the window. And I don't understand why it's not.
that it's just not working for them. It's going to get more and more and more obvious that, you know, if you live in a blue county, you're safe. If you live in a red county, good luck, Charlie. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, what's up? Since Dr. Mengele was brought up sometime during this week, it's an interesting factoid that when his body was found by the Brazilian government, wanted to repatriate back to uh, Germany, and hmm. the family fought against it. So the government said, okay, and they gave his skeleton to a medical school in Sao Paulo, and it still hangs there. For oh, a that's interesting. That's ironic. Yep. And you started the week with greed, talking about greed, and I realized that's the only disorder that's not treated. Obsessive disorder, you know, or dopamine mm -hmm. disorder that's not treated it is, at all. It is, no, it's not true. It is treated for poor people. It's called hoarding. But if you're rich, it's not treated. Right, right, right. But, but now I understand that money is uh, free speech and that uh, corporations are people and also fetuses are people, too. Right. And... Uh, at some point, when you go back, all animals are the same when you get down to that cellular level. So what does that say? You know, everything is uh, right. uh, sacred. It's a good, but, good but, argument for vegetarianism, I suppose. Right. But anyway, the, 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 those on the court should talk to the Jewish um, the people on the court, because in the Bible it also says that if a man hits a woman who is pregnant and she loses the child— he has to pay in money whatever that, you know, p p potential was with that child. Well, it's not uh, even whatever the potential was. I, I, I believe the Bible specifies an amount, doesn't it? Or, right, or does it right. just say that, that, you know, he shall pay? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, he shall pay. And then it also says if a man should hit a, hit a woman and, who's pregnant and kill her, you, you, uh, you go, that's capital punishment right there. Right. So the... So, so there's that difference. And uh, it, it just seems more and more like a religious issue, which is based on nothing, because Jesus never spoke about abortion or homosexuality, and right. he lived his life as a Jew. Right. So 
And yeah. the Jews, uh, there's the only controversy was first breath or when the head first comes out was considered life. And uh, a, a person really isn't a human being, even when they're born, until they're wanted and loved. Otherwise, they're just an empty vessel. Right. And just and, and, and Bill, you know, respectfully, just like the people who have called on the other side of this argument, you're representing your beliefs. And I think that we just need to acknowledge that we're all entitled to our own opinions here. Pat in Flossmoor, Illinois. Hey, Pat, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I'm a 68-year-old African-American former school librarian. I really enjoyed your earlier statement about the Freedom Party, but as a former educator slash librarian, repetition is what people need over and over again. You're right. Let's have 30-second commercials on the Hispanic, Black, and white rural stations. Short ones. Most people have no idea what Bill Back Better has in it or what a filibuster carve-out is, the Freedom to Vote Act from John Lewis, etc. No clue. Tell them over and over again, 30 seconds, that's all your attention span is for some folks, and hopefully we'll have positive results. Brilliant. Brilliant. I completely agree, Pat. And every part of the Democratic agenda right now, you can insert the word freedom into. I mean, there is no part of it, to the best of my knowledge, that doesn't, that can't not be positioned as freedom. And, and like I said, freedom is the most powerful brand in America. It has been since the founding of the republic. And, and we need to get back to it. Thank you, Pat, for that. That was brilliant. Robert in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today? You know how when Democrats propose stuff that's popular the republicans don't like it but then when a republican proposes the same thing all of a sudden they're on board with it so my question is if someone ran as a republican but then started proposing everything that democrats wanted so would that work or work for donald trump robert donald trump ran on a platform of raising taxes on rich people, giving everybody in the country health care at a price way below Obamacare and far more comprehensive, ending Reagan's policy of free trade that, that has been picked up by both parties, you know, to, to be fair, but nonetheless ending, ending free trade and bringing our jobs back home. Um, uh, you know, strengthening union protections. I mean, he didn't do any of these things. But this is what he ran on. He, he basically ran on a Democratic platform. He'd been a Democrat up until three months before he ran for president. So he understood the Democratic oh, well. platform. Number one, the Republican Party has split into two factions. There's the, the Trump faction, and then there's the kind of old-fashioned Republican, you know, uh, uh, Richard Nixon referred to them as cloth coat Republicans. That's what he called his wife. You know, she doesn't wear a fur. She wears a cloth coat. Uh, kind of Main Street Republicans, the, you know, the average conservative, largely suburban white people basically was the, the pitch. Um, and, and my guess is that as time goes on, you're going to see these, uh, the old Republicans, the David Jollies, you know, uh, who's on MSNBC all the time, who was a member of, you know, a Republican member of Congress. Yeah, you're going to see those Republicans start to embrace many of the very popular policies that Democrats have been promoting as a way of trying to claw the Republican Party back from the crazies. And uh, I think we're already seeing some evidence of that. I suspect we're going to see a lot more evidence of that as time goes on. Oh, okay. So you don't think it'll work or you think it can work? 
I think it will work. I, I think that Americans will vote for a politician who tells them that they, that they are going to do the things that are highly popular you know, across the populace. Um, ending student debt is highly popular. Free college is very popular. Uh, you know, comprehensive health care is very popular. Rich in Central Woolley, Washington. Hey, Rich, what's on your mind today? Well, I like your opinion on the, my strategy for the 2022 congressional elections that we go into hopelessly red districts and uh, make a concerted effort to get the most progressive possible Democrats on the ticket. Doing so, you get bullet point uh, outline of the progressive agenda in the voter pamphlet. You raise a, the uh, reputation of the uh, progressive candidate. And also, you know, you, you, you're practicing the uh, Truman principle of, you know, you don't, uh, a Democrat who runs like a Republican will always lose to a Republican. And then there's the off chance that, you know, Republicans tend to get themselves in corruption troubles, and maybe everybody just in a, a district here or there, they turn and say, no, we're going to vote Democrat this time, Democratic, because, uh, you know, our guy screwed up so bad. I think <laughs> that what, would be the long story. What you're describing, Rich, was Howard Dean's 50-state strategy. And, uh, I mean, you know, he, he wouldn't have added the find the most progressive candidate you can get um, because that wasn't the position of the party at the time. But I think it's getting close to that right now. I completely agree with you. I think, yeah, just having that stark contrast out there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you leave and, and I think it'll win in some red states. I mean, again, I, I go back to how well Bernie did in West Virginia, um, you know, in the primaries. I mean, it just he, he, he won every single one of those counties in West Virginia. Leave out the hot button issues, you know, the three G's, God, guns, gays. Leave out the critical race. They basically ignore those or have just a pat answer mm -hmm. for any of those. And just if you could even just use your bullet points in the voters pamphlet, the build back better, whether yeah. it's passed or not. Say this is what we believe in. This is what we vote for. Yeah, I'm with you. And lay out, let the people see it in very simple, non-controversial format over and you over know, and over again I'm, I'm completely with you rich brilliant thank you jen in seattle hey jen what's on your mind today uh hey tom um so i think there's kind of a millennial perspective missing here on a, on a couple of things um i'm a millennial i'm 38 i have three kids um thanks to our country's misogynistic refusal to implement universal comprehensive sex ed my oldest is 21 <laughs> um so i know millennials and gen z uh-huh um, at the same time, my dad is an environmental scientist. He's been working on wetland restoration for decades. I care about the environment. I have, I have less in the game. Um, but I can't buy an electric car. Um, millennials are broke. We're renters. And until somebody makes it mandatory that apartment complexes have charging stations for electric cars, we're not buying electric cars. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, on the renting thing, too, I'd like to know where everybody thinks millennials are going to live when we're old, when we're not going to have houses paid off to live in. Um, and as for the abortion thing, millennials and Gen Z are broke. Um, mm -hmm. Millennials walked into the worst economic opportunities of any generation since before the Great Depression. We are not getting on a plane for an abortion. And it's millennials and Gen Z right now that are, you know, of that reproductive age. We're not getting on planes for an abortion. That's a good point. It's a good point, Jen. So do you think that that is going to... Uh, radicalize is probably not quite the right word, but uh, incentivize, shall we say, millennial and Gen Z women to come out and vote against these Republicans who are 
you know, uh, pushing a forced, uh, uh, forced pregnancy uh, agenda? Look, I know Twitter's not the real world, and it's really easy to get into a, a, a bubble on social media. Sure. Everything that I see from, from women, we're pissed. Good. Um, and young women are especially angry. I'm seeing more and more women, especially younger millennials and Gen Z, becoming very radicalized feminists. Yeah. Um, we're sick of it. It, it, there's, there's still no equal opportunity for women in this country. And we had a report from the U.N. not too long ago saying we're doing a horrible job yeah. on, on, on women's opportunity. Yeah. That's completely inexcusable in the United States in the 21st century. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jen, thank you. Thank you for bringing yeah. an important voice to the conversation. Uh, that was a very good one. I appreciate it. George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? The history of Europe and of Russia indicates that the countries around the perimeter of Russia are rightfully suspicious of Great Russia, Imperial Russia, and Soviet Russia, and current Russia. My ancestors came from Belarus and Poland, and they had long experience with being under the Russian boot heel. I mean, today, Belarus is essentially a client state aided and abetted by the fealty of Lukashenko to Putin and willingness to take whatever aid Putin will give him to right, stay Right, and in, in that, I think you're making my point, George, which is that Putin wants to have his borders uh, basically uh, safe, shall we say. Um, and if he can do it by co-opting the local governments, and as in the case of Lukashenko in Belarus, that's the easiest, safest, most comfortable way for him to do it. He's been trying to do that with Ukraine, nearly pulled it off in the election that, uh, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, the current president, um, just, you know, won. But, uh, but uh, you know, I think he would much rather do that. But I, I'm not sure he's willing to start World War III over this. Well, we have to make sure, uh, in the tradition of Theodore Roosevelt of speaking softly but carrying a big stick, that... War is not an option for Putin. The yeah. Ukrainians have a right to be independent and free and to be masters of their own destiny without Russian troops on their soil. That's a given. And Putin should not fear countries joining NATO uh, unless he's threatening them. And he is threatening them. And 175,000 troops against a country like Ukraine is... A great mismatch. So, I totally get what you're saying, George. Do you think that John Kennedy, when he said to the Soviet Union, you may not put missiles 90 miles away from the United States' border um, because we will not tolerate your, your military, military presence 90 miles away from us, was wrong? I think that he was doing his job as the commander-in-chief and, and his job as protecting the so, United States. And I'm no, so I'm no defender of Vladimir was, Putin. Please be, be, be very, Russia, be very he clear here, George. Russia with the Jupiter missiles that were in Turkey. So right. uh, the Russians had every right to uh, be leery about him, and also in light of the fact that Kennedy did not stop the Bay of Pigs invasion, which he should have done. Yeah. Um, but right, we live now in 2021, and Putin is a communist. He's a Soviet. That's the heart and soul of his being. And if he can get away with uh, intimidating and threatening people with military action to get his aims, we'll all be the worse off for it. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, would say, I wouldn't say he's a communist. I'd say he's an autocrat. You know, he's an authoritarian. But, um, you know, he, he was a fan of that system. And, but my point is that I think that what he's doing here with all these troops is trying to 
trying to uh, cut a deal where we will not expand NATO. And, uh, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm no fan of Putin, but I, I, I can understand that having lived in the United States when the Soviet Union tried to put missiles 90 miles from our border, we freaked out. Um, I, don't, I don't think that we can have a double standard here. I, I, and, and this was, by the way, the deal that was cut and when the Soviet Union fell was that no country who's got a border with, the Soviet, with Russia, with the new Russia, would be a member of NATO. Now, we've already broken that deal, um, I believe, with the Baltic states, but I totally get it. And, you know, if I was running Russia, I'd probably run it differently. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm just talking about this situation in the Ukraine. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right and that he's not actually risking war, He's that this is a negotiating strategy. I may well be wrong. I, I have no special insights in here, George, um, other than having been all over that part of the world and all over this part of the world and having lived through the Cold War. Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think China represents a, a more existential threat. George, You're thanks for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Shana in Prairie Grove, Arkansas. Hey, Shana, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Might know a reason the GOP does not mind killing off some of its own. They don't have anything to run on except for hate. They have nothing to run on. Right. Um, just, just say, for instance, they started agreeing with the masking and vaccines. Nobody would come out to vote for them. So I think they're deducting, okay, we're going to lose, what, 1%. We're going to lose some people if we keep the rest of them riled up, full of hate against Biden, because they don't have anything else to run on. And if they didn't rile them up, their voters wouldn't show up. I think there might be another piece to this. The Washington Post just published a piece uh, titled, here's the headline, Sidney Powell Group Raised More Than $14 Million Spreading Election Falsehoods. There is mm -hmm. money to be made selling BS, for you know, to say it delicately. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's election falsehoods or whether it's ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine, and now they're eating dirt. There's, did you see this? There's this this uh, uh, group that's selling dirt on the internet to to anti-vaxxers, and and the I dirt is coming from a place that's downstream or downhill from a from a waste dump, uh, you know, a landfill, and apparently the dirt is filled with lead and, and uh, chromium and <laughs> toxic metals, but yeah. people are feeding the this dirt to their kids. The next thing will be magic beans, right? Yeah, <laughs> most likely. You know, it's magic <laughs> dirt. Yeah, I'm with you. Shana, thank Thanks, you very Tom. much for the call. It's good talking to you. Marshall in Rochester, Michigan. Hey, Marshall, what's on your mind today? Hey, um, the, um, those guys and we guys are running on two different playing fields. We keep preaching democracy and how important it is, and the Republican Party is saying, what? And they have no concern for democracy, so we might as well drop that from our vocabulary. Well, I think we they need to hold on to our ideals. I, I don't think you surrender your right. ideals just because the other side has. No, 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 no. Save I agree with your, your ideals, analysis. But, 
Marshall. Yeah, but don't use yeah don't use that as a flag because they don't recognize it anyway. They haven't governed for years. They want to. Well, rule. I'm not. I'm not trying to. You know, in, in saying that the Democrats should start branding themselves as the party of freedom, I'm not arguing that that will bring no, in no, Republican no. votes. But I do think it'll bring in undecided votes. I think it'll bring in low information voters, and I think it'll strengthen and energize the Democratic base. It did in the 30s, and the 40s. Well, I guess it's worked, so uh, maybe I'm off base. I understand what you're saying. You know, if you believed, if you thought that I was saying we need to, you know, brand Democrats need to brand themselves as the Freedom Party in order to get Republican <laughs> voters, I, I agree with your analysis. The Republican voters don't care. They are so deeply no, inside this bubble, inside this, you know, they're down the rabbit hole, and and exactly. you know, they're not coming back for a while. It's going to take a, a real yeah. disaster for them to start waking up and coming back. But there's a lot of undecided people out there. There's a lot of folks in the middle. Joel in Juliet, Illinois. Hey, Joel, what's up? Everyone's so confused because of the GOP. Why are they killing their own people? You've said it many times in your show. Greed, greed, greed. Greed is the root of all evil. Greed will is actually going to be the trait that, that basically is going to kill our race within climate change. If you look at every problem we have in America... You can take. You can always follow the money, like they say, greed, greed, greed. Yeah. So then they're going to say uh, they're going to lose voters. They don't care. They got more voters. They run the numbers. They're going to pull this out, and they want to make Biden look bad. That's the main thing. They get back in power. We're toast. Now, political 101: the Reds eat red meat. The Democrats nibble on pasture grasses. It's not in our DNA to fight this. People want. Democrats that can do both. And mm -hmm. people, you had uh, Jen Senko brainwashing of my dad. People, Tom Hartman listeners, you've got to check out this documentary. If you want to know what you're dealing with, look up Brainwashing of My Dad by Jen Senko, The Rise of the Hate Media. It yeah. is serious. It's available right you know, now on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Book, documentary. She's phenomenal. And Tom, I just got to commend you. Your knowledge is unmatched, and uh, I'm with you. Oh, thank you, Joel. Thank you for your kind words, and, and thanks for watching us, on, ironically, on Facebook. I mean, you know, we're, we're there, too. Carol in Seattle. Carol, less than a minute left. You got a quick point? Hi, yes. Um, so you were right. Uh, they um, Basically, they're getting paid either way, the, the uh, corporate media, you know, the liars, basically, and also on the platforms, you know, they're getting paid. And that last caller made a point on... The internet is a great multiplier of all this. I think we're underestimating that, and I we're agree. acting as if it was before. I anyway, got more of it. Look, we show up, we win. More voters. There you go, Carol. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. It requires all of us. But specifically, it requires you. So please, get out there, get active. Tag your it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Right? We all need a little more kindness and consideration right now. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 